This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right, welcome to Revolution Church's Meet Your Congregation. It is I, Caleb, alongside Pastor Jay Baker. Hello, Jay. Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm doing all right. Or afternoon. Or afternoon, evening. whatever it Who is. Knows Who knows what it is. And this is Outside of Time. That's the beauty of podcasting. Yes. And we're here today with online congregate member Tom Skugwatsa. No. No. You just, you just killed it. It was close. Skugwatsa. Uh, Correct. All right. Okay. All right. You say it. Skugwatsa. Skugwatsa. So it's German. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that actually is that Italian? The double Z having the T sound? Is that it is yeah. just like pizza, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So where are we talking to you from? Uh, Pittsburgh. Hello. Yeah. Oh, hello. We have another Pit- guest. Pit- Pittsburgh, PA. That is correct. Pittsburgh, PA. How's that treating you? How, how are y'all dealing with the quarantine and everything there? Well, you know, it's it's been pretty good, I guess. Uh, the um, Pennsylvania governor, I think, has been doing a really good job. And so our numbers have been down pretty much, except lately, like a lot of the country, things are starting to pick back up a little bit. So it's getting a little bit scary. I also know that, you know, my my church family here in Pittsburgh has been um, really heavily hit, at least not necessarily people who are in Pittsburgh, but yeah. a lot of people at church are connected to people in other parts of the country who have been heavily hit. Oh, man. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Um, why don't you tell us a little a little more about your home church? Is it uh, a Baptist church? I saw, I think, on your profile. Yes. So uh, about seventeen years ago, my wife and I joined uh, Mount Air Baptist Church. Um, we were one of the first uh, white couples that joined the church. Okay. There were a few couples that were one one person on or other was maybe related or connected to the church uh, over. And uh, but we were, I think, one of the first white couples to join. But yeah, we've been. It's been a great experience. We we love our church. I was never a Baptist before I joined the Baptist Church. But oh yeah, definitely a Baptist now. As a matter of fact, I'm a Baptist deacon. Wow, okay. nice, very cool. Well, Baptists are diverse. Are diverse. And yes. Different. Yeah. Yeah. I was raised Southern Baptist. Um, you know, like white Southern Baptist. Um, so. I learned there's a, there's some differences there, right? There's yeah. the, the Martin Luther King Baptists and there's the Southern Baptists. They definitely all share some things, but there's some differences. Yeah, definitely. Don't they call them the Recon- Reconstructionists, the Southern Baptists, because they like kind of changed oh, you're talking about, everything. Oh, well, they they're the there's a lot of re- Reformation uh, theology in in Baptist churches. Yeah, I, I just mean like they kind of went away from their more civil rights issues and stuff oh. at one particular I'm not, time. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, mm. yeah, well, not either. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's your local church uh, like there, and uh, what what do you get out of that? And then also, I'm, I'm kind of lead into what do you get out of Revolution because you're you're sure, you're in sure. our uh, feed every every week. We see you in there. Well. You know, I, I, I think I shared with you guys early on um, over Facebook or one of the social media channels that one of the things, one of the silver linings that we got out of uh, the COVID situation is that we are all kind of taking a break from our in-person church responsibilities. As a deacon, my wife and I are kind of, we're at church two or three services a weekend and 
volunteering wow. and doing different stuff. And we really didn't have an opportunity to connect with other people at other churches and do other things, even though we would like to have done more of that. And so we took advantage of that time, you know, um, we took some advantage of that time with the, uh, with the COVID situation. And I was just exploring different things. And, um, I, I guess to answer your first question. So our church is about 9,000 people. Wow. Um, again, majority, Amazing. majority African American. We have about 1500 people per service during our large services that we were having. Our pastor, uh, Dr. Uh, William Curtis has been pastoring there for over 20 years. He's going to probably, and he's been a pastor for about 30 and he's only 53 years old and he's been a pastor for about 30 years. So he was actually the youngest pastor who was the president of the Hampton Ministers Conference, which is a pretty big deal in the African-American church. So he's pretty well known throughout the country and we get a lot of great preachers and pastors that come through and speak. So, but we joined there because we were looking for a church that we could be at together that we could both grow in and connect to. My wife was um, already a, um, she was part of the Foursquare Pentecostal movement, yeah. if you know Foursquare. Yeah, yeah, I do. And so, so we were looking for, we were looking for a, uh, a church that had, uh, my wife is also a liturgical dancer. So we were looking for a church that had liturgical dance and worship music, but also one that, um, that we could connect to in a way that we felt comfortable and I have to tell you that I didn't feel that connection in some of the white churches that we visited. And it wasn't really a race issue. It was really a politics issue. Mm-hmm. If you think about 17 years ago, we were in the middle of the Iraq war. Yeah. And so I, I, I found a church where, where um, I felt like they were on the right side of some of those political issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, for me, at least then, being a less mature Christian, I, I couldn't have sat still and listened to a pastor who's political views were so far away from what I believed was the right thing that I couldn't listen to him about anything else. Right. Yeah, now maybe, right. maybe today I would have more maturity and would be able to say, you know what, I don't agree with you on this, but I'm going to listen to you on this other thing. But at the time I wasn't able to do that. And so, um, I was able to connect with pastor Curtis. Not that I agree with everything he says all the time, <laughs> but I was able to connect with him most of the time on most things and learn from him. And it's been a real blessing to be really a part of that family. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, when I lived in Atlanta, the church I attended was a, a an African American kind of mega church called Cathedral of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, and uh, that was a very inclusive church and really amazing. And uh, who was the pastor? Well, the the pastor was uh, Earl Polk, and he ended up having a lot of scandals come out later. <laughs> yeah, it happened. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was an amazing preacher, and his their family kind of took me in at the time when my dad was uh, transferred to Jessup, Georgia prison, the last year of his his uh, his sentence. And uh, I don't know, it was like family, and it was it was you know it was one of those things where it was like you know. If more churches were like that at the time, I didn't feel like there would be need to be such a reformation yeah. in the church. Mm. You know, it felt like it amen was, to that. Yeah, you know, I felt like when being when I was a part of the emergent church, I felt like we were a lot of us had in the emergent church had kind of left these really conservative mm-hmm. white churches and were trying to think differently. But I felt like a lot of the black churches had already had that process happening at the same time yeah so yeah i I agree 
agree. I mean, I mean, it's a, when you're dealing with a church with a, a 120 or so year old history and a lot of tradition, not everybody is going to move on all issues at the same right. time. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but the, but the, the beauty of a good leader is I think to be able to kind of set the course, set the course in the future. So he, uh-huh. he taught us from a book, Recently, as a, on the leadership, we studied a book called Canoeing the Mountains. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, no, I've never heard of that. The idea is the idea is a Lewis and Clark expedition where it's a leadership book from the Christian perspective, but it, it's really about leadership into a new place. And the idea is that you're, you start out on the Lewis and Clark expedition as explorers who just know things by canoe. You take your canoes trying to get to California. Okay. And at some point, you face the Rocky Mountains and you realize the canoes have to be left behind. Right. So it's the idea of being able to separate the essential from what's non-essential, mm. the religious from the practice that's formal from the mm-hmm. spiritual practice that's required and be able to set things aside and move. So it's been a, it's been a great um, it's been a great experience to be at that church. Like I said, he's a, um, I don't know if you have had a chance to tune in to any of the, I share occasionally the sermons that he's doing. And by the way, is that okay? Because, because I, I, I know that there's some folks on our, uh, Facebook page that might not, um, appreciate that style of church service, or they might have other issues with it. So I just want to make sure you guys think it's okay for me to occasionally share things from my church. No, I think it's great. Yeah, I, think I, it's think it's, I think it's great. I think more the more... <laughs> Cross-pollination? Yeah, and the more ex- we can expose people to different bodies and okay. different churches and what's yeah. going on to realize like you don't have to just find like this little alternative church in Minnesota. Uh-huh. Right. And I mean, there's actually big churches doing great things and small churches doing great things. I think, you know, you want people to think and, and have more information to use and think with. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like I said, I, you know, this, he's a uh, pastor Curtis. If you have a chance to listen to him, he is extremely, um, uh, biblical, biblically centered, but he's also extremely, uh, well-read, uh, philosopher and theologian okay. that knows a lot from a lot of different domains. And he's able to, uh, he really brings his intellect to bear every week, nice. as well as the, the 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 more spiritual side of things. So it's a great balance, and he has a great way of uh, teaching people at different levels. So that's great. We really have, we've really grown a lot there, and we really enjoy being a part of his church. But um, I read your book in 2011 when it first came out, uh, "Fall from Grace." Okay, yeah. And it it really spoke to me because, again, even being a part of the church, I've always sort of seen the things that. I think kind of need to change. Right. And, um, you know, I've been trying to be a good a force on the inside of an institutional mm-hmm. church, yeah. also sort of standing on what I believe in and, you know, advocating for grace first, love first and positive change and also connection. You know, I think one of the big things, it's not just connection, connecting black to white, it's connecting the different uh, branches of the Christian family together yeah. to really mm-hmm. have a dialogue. That's I've always felt great. passionate yeah. about that. Totally, and so and so, you know, um, it's important to me to connect with other people and to hear what they're doing. And so, I really, I really appreciate what you guys do, and I really appreciate the message of grace and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate reaching out to people who, um, because I, I believe as Christians, we're our own worst enemy. Yeah. So, like, yeah. one of the worst, we, 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 a lot of Christians feel like as evangelistic that their testimony is really important. But your but your testimony can't impact somebody if your walk 
is uh, is being uh, is not being done in love, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. You can't you can't you can't communicate with somebody unless you're first willing to be their friend. You can't mm. connect with somebody and grow with them unless you're able to actually talk to them as a person. Yeah, and um, and so many of people who call themselves Christians, I think, have a hard time understanding that. And the fact that you're so centered in on that and that you really get that, and that's really the the kernel of the work that you do is so important. It's so important because there's people that are otherwise estranged from church and estranged from their brothers and sisters and being able to bridge that gap, being able to think and know that like it doesn't, to be a Christian doesn't mean to turn off your intellectual faculties. It actually, you got to step it up. Yeah, you can do do more. You got to do more. And um, so I'm really, you know, I, I don't know. I feel a little bit on the margins of what you guys do because I don't have all a lot of the same experience and know a lot of the same things. And I'm kind of late to the party of revolution, even though I've been a fan. I've been a fan from a distance. Yeah. But uh, from a distance. But I really appreciate what you do. And I'm really interested in, you know, learning more and having a chance to, to grow and learn more with you guys over the uh, over the years to come. Well, I feel like we're always evolving. So I feel like it's yeah. like, if you're not really late to the party, it's just, you might've missed part of the evolution, but mm-hmm. you know, but we're kind of always kind of growing and changing together. Totally. So there's not really an ar- arrival point, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, what we looked like in 1994, it's funny that, um, Donald Trump just spoke at this church in Arizona and that church is where revolution started. Okay. So it was really strange that what? we came out of that church. Are you joking? No, I'm yes. not joking. I actually spoke from that pulpit, the same pulpit. Is that in, what, where in Arizona is that, Phoenix? It's in, it's in Phoenix. It used to be called Phoenix First Assembly, but they changed okay. the name to something like the Dream something, or the Dream Place, or Dream House, or I don't know what they call it now. Um, but yeah, okay. so the but they, gave, they had a little old, an old bar that they had bought at the end of the street from the church. I mean, I used to skateboard on the, on the steps of that church all the time. And um, they had a little bar down there that they let us have services in. But, you know, we also attended services that they asked us to attend church services there. And we did. Yeah. You know, and they wow. gave us money to build a half pipe and do certain wow. things. And so, I mean, it was. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know. So outreach, they, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that you know, they're like total outreach people. They're totally like when people, I mean, they have every type of ministry you can imagine. They have the right, bus right, ministries, right, right, of course, but then I they have it. the recycling right. ministry and the knitting ministry. Mm, wow. The knitting ministry. It's like they just collect uh-huh. different types yeah, of yeah. ministries. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I get it. My wife actually lived in Tucson. Um, that's where she was uh, saved and went into the uh, Foursquare Church in oh, okay. Tucson. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I lived on the Pima Indian Reservation for a little while okay. myself. Yeah. So when we met, my wife and I met. I don't. I, I don't know the Pima Indian Reservation, but we have some friends who are indigenous who are okay. still living in the Tucson area. It was in yeah. It was in Scottsdale, and they uh, a native just said and heard that I needed me and a couple of the people doing the church needed a place to live. And she's like, Oh, I've got a place. And it was on the reservation. I was like, is this cool? She's like, it's cool to me. Okay. <laughs> I've never been to that one, but have you been to the Tahona Ona reservation on the Saguaro? No. So that's, that's where our friends are. But, okay. but the, um, but the, uh, you know, my, my wife connected with the church and it was in, for her, it was a, um, and I really can't speak for her, but I know that a big part of her church experience was that worship and praise experience. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. 
so it was really important because she was already a liturgical dancer. Right. So when we got married in 2002 and we needed to find a church together, that was one of the things we were looking for. So we were looking for a church that had that kind of charismatic flavor where yeah. we had that, 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 that strong worship, but also, like I said, I needed to find some place that I was politically could connect right. to and, and some place that also intellectually, like I felt like I was growing, you mm. know, I, I'm the kind of person that likes to study and read. I consider myself to be an armchair theologian. I do it kind of haphazardly. I wish it was a little bit more systematic. Um, so that's why another thing I appreciate, you know, Pastor Jay, about your, uh, you know, you bringing up Hegel and other interesting oh, books because there are things that I've connected to in the past, but you, you help weave it together, and that's awesome. Very cool. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, um, one question that we always ask sure, in, in these interviews is, um, is there anything specific uh, that you see that we could do more of or that we could improve on or that we could alter uh, or we could do less of even? Um, do you have just <laughs> any, any kind of feedback? Um, like we've been obviously adjusting some things with whenever COVID hit and quarantine and stuff, we obviously started streaming the services and that was kind of a cool change for us. But, uh, yeah, just, I guess if, if in the time that you have been, um, kind of tacking along with us here recently, if there's anything that we could do more of or, or, you know, do better or anything at all. Well, you know, um, fix us, Tom. <laughs> I, that's a little, yeah, that's a tall order. Like, like, um, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I was never really much of a of a worship or music ministry person before I joined my church, uh-huh. uh, and I didn't really appreciate you know the importance of that and how that could be an important part of connecting spiritually, not just with God but with other people. And I and I don't you know the only thing I I, I wonder is I wonder there has to be a lot of talent amongst the people that are part of Revolution, and. Um, you know, maybe just sharing, figuring out a way to share that talent, whether it's spoken word or music <laughs> or song. Um, and I guess it doesn't have to be specifically spiritual, but yeah. I, I think it's nice to connect the services with music. And I know, um, like I said, I know that, uh, you know, it, that makes me think of some of the comments you made, Caleb, on your on your your speech the other day, that evening. And so, again, I think it's important to keep it in the right context. But I, I think there are some um, there's some real value to that. And like I said, I like to share mine every once in a while. I don't do it, but that my church does. But I would love to hear from the rest of the revolution community what talents are out there and what you know hear hear their their passion a little bit. And I also think that um, you know one of the things, and this isn't specifically revolution, but one of the things that I think would be awesome would be to have more of these connections between churches. Yeah, right. Yes, yes. To have more to have more cross pollination, like you said. To have you know, have have folks from different backgrounds, perspectives, traditions, be able to inform, yes. discuss. Yes. that would be awesome too. I totally agree with that. That's, I would love that. That last part, totally. Yeah, I like, would love to be meeting with more pastors and churches and mm-hmm. groups like yeah. that. Yeah, and we do have. You're right, Tom. We do have a lot of talent. Uh, we have some very talented uh, writers in our uh, physical local congregation who actually brought up maybe trying to put together like a collective work. Like everyone like writes maybe someone writes a poem, someone writes a little short story yeah. or something, and we put it together and just kind of like this. Here's a little 
a snapshot of Revolution's yeah. expressive side of the congregation right now. And then, like, another congregation member, Kurt, and I are in a band together and stuff like that. And so, yeah, th- you're right. There is uh, there is some, maybe some And you guys are going to start doing some music yeah, we're gonna, for another ministry. For a UCC church, yeah, we're going to start playing uh, music for them on their their evening service. So would there be would it be appropriate maybe before your talks on Sundays to give a little It's tricky because um we're specifically, you know, like worship music, but even more generally any music before church, I've been specifically told can be triggering to some people who we attract, you know, who who okay. who are triggered by stuff like that. But I, I think it would be nice, and I've been told by other people, you know, the first one who's brought it up, you know, that it would be nice. Maybe have a little instrumental guitar music in the background, or I play banjo too, and maybe a little acoustic, even just instrumental music or something like that. It's um, funny because when, we ha- when we were in Brooklyn, uh, my co-pastor there, Reverend Vince, was an amazing musician, and we did music like once or twice just for like fun. For, uh-huh. like, we did an Easter choir or something, uh-huh. and we actually had people like contact us and be like, "I can't believe you guys had music." You know, reason I come to Revolution is there is no music, oh, wow. and you know, it's there. Everybody's got their own kind of spin yeah. on it, you know. And I think it originally started, you know, in the late '90s or early '90s. Really, we started was we we stopped doing music because it was kind of triggering for a lot of evangelicals who yeah. were getting out of it. But now I feel like we've kind of moved on, and we're not just dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, hurt evangelicals. We're dealing with all sorts of different types of folks. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. You know, like I said, I I, I was a little hesitant to even bring it up because yeah. of because I. But but I think um, I think it's an important uh, topic because people like me maybe don't even understand that dynamic. Yeah, yeah right. And I I wasn't connected to music because I I didn't understand like the emotional part of of spirituality and I was all in my headspace when I went to church mm. and it wasn't until I was able to sit in those pews for a while and and feel feel those that the, the this really to put it in church terms to feel the spirit move yeah. through the um through those songs and through the emotion and through the love and worship that the congregation was showing during music that I. I never experienced that before. Again, not growing up that way, yeah. and mm-hmm. and so it, it was, uh, I guess, surprising to me that some people. And now I understand that it could, it could be triggering, but but I I yeah. think it's a good dialogue to have, and I think that there's probably a safe way to introduce it. Yeah, and maybe there's a middle ground where we like say, if you're interested in music, tune in tune in at uh, ten right. fifty. Yeah, right. And we'd have a little instrumental. Uh, and then um, if blues. you're not, then just come in at eleven. And, yeah. and skip it kind of thing we could do something yeah. like that um music is over. somebody else actually recently reached out to me and said that they would like us to start the services with me and you like just chatting and catching up and we're like hey and then start the <laughs> uh, that'd be almost like a talk show vibe <laughs> come on give an opening monologue or something um <laughs> but no yeah those are really insightful suggestions i really uh, appreciate those I'm take those to well, anything anything i can do you know i mean i know we're wrapping this up i really enjoy talking to you guys anything i can do that you think i could be helpful with just let okay. me know uh, reach out to me I'm, I'm happy to help in any way that you think uh is yeah. useful it'd be neat to have some kind of collaboration with your church in in some way um, I know we've, we've brought this up in the past with other listeners who have physical churches. Especially but because we're so, you know, I mean, it seems like on the outside, we all probably seem so different, but I feel like there'd probably be a ton of common ground. There, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know? And I, and we're at Revolution, we're all about that common ground, you yeah. know, 
uh, used to be focused on common ground with you know queer folks, and now you know shifting common ground more politically maybe and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's definitely. It would just be nice for people to see that there's just yeah you know there's people doing mega churches that aren't evil or bad yeah. or horrible right <laughs> that you know like right. everybody just assumes like oh if it's a mega church it must be bad uh-huh. i'm like well i mean not, no not necessarily you know i mean right don't blame someone because people They're like to successful. hear them speak or because they have great organization skills you right know? <laughs> trust me if we were uh you know if we had those i'd i'd I'm, we could be a mega church mm, but we don't that'd be interesting <laughs> yeah and i i think you know right now like especially with everything else that's going on i think it's also I think the black church has some important things to say. Yeah. To and, um, you know, and I think that, uh, we need more black voices. From yeah. We yeah. need more black voices generally. And I, yeah. but I, maybe I'm biased, but I specifically think that the black church has a lot of moral authority to share and a lot yeah. of perspective. And it's not only on the issue of, uh, of, of racial justice. It's really on the issue of justice and equity across yeah. all the society. And I think that that, um, and I, and, and, I, and I don't, you know, not again, not to put on my church hat again too much, but I think that for some, they're going to be willing to come to that conversation mm. and to hear about a justice and equity and understanding somebody else's perspective. And then they may stick around long enough to learn about some of the other things mm, yeah. about why we consider ourselves Christian and what it is that's important about Christianity but but it, it it sometimes it starts. This is almost like an opening. It's a yeah. Kairos moment. It's mm. an opening. People who aren't necessarily connected to church and church things mm-hmm. are aware that the church may be able to have something to say in this moment, and then that creates opening for their own spiritual growth down the road. And even maybe if you know somebody like a, any of the pastors at your church that you think might be a good voice for a revolution, and we figure out yeah. a way to clip them in and, we could, and have them do a we talk could for Skype us. them in and, and yeah do a talk or even just t- uh, have a conversation with them like we have we've had a few services when yeah where we just sit down and have a talk. conversation mm-hmm. that would be great yeah that is okay. that is something let us actually pursue that please okay yeah follow yeah. up i'll definitely look okay. into that from my side awesome well guys thank you so much for your time oh, i really appreciate it i could talk i could talk to you all afternoon <laughs> Hopefully we can do something like this again some, totally. sometime in the future. We appreciate you, Tom, and, and uh, I, I always love any of the comments that you make and all the posts that you make. I like the fact that you do you were passionate about sharing your church, but not pushy, yeah. obviously. And, about and being it a part, just, just yeah. well, just being a part of it really means a lot to us and, and to me as well. It's just encouraging to to have people listening and being a part of the community. You know, yeah. I mean, all these years later to see new folks and new faces and different backgrounds still still find out we do is relevant is very totally well it's not just just relevant it's very important you know you're creating a space for people who aren't otherwise connected to community connected to teaching and you know you know in any religious tradition it's it's the teaching it's the community Mm -hmm. um and it's the practice those are the three those are the three things and and you providing a vehicle for that Mm -hmm. where other where where folks who aren't going to feel connected aren't going to feel welcome, are going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I know how important that is. And I really want to support you and want to uh, appreciate what you do. Thank you, brother. I That's appreciate so sweet. that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tom. And we will we'll talk to you probably yeah. uh, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> I hope so. I'm here. You know how to find me. All right. Okay. Take care. God Great. Bless. Take Bye, care. Tom. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this show, 
You might also like the Sacred Collective. An overt element would be, you know, Jim Crow style segregation stuff, you know, where it's in the law. Blacks can't vote. It's in the law. Interracial marriage can't happen. It's been systematized in that way. But then, you know, what we're dealing with in the U.S. is this under the table covert racism, which is in the system. And a lot of people can't recognize it because our overt systematic expression has been so strong and it was so in your face and that's gone and people then say, well, you know, what do you mean systematic racism? The Jim Crow stuff is gone. You know, black people, they can move anywhere they want to move. They can buy a house. They can interracially marry. They can do this. They can do this, this, this. There are policies, especially the legal system. If you don't look hard enough, you won't see. And if you're a person of color, you will experience them. You will feel them. That was a post-Christian podcast.